Hello, everyone. Welcome back to Grounded with Pastor Matt Round. This is episode 18, and this week we will be answering the question, should a Christian be afraid of death? I've had this question a lot in my life, uh, mainly when I was younger. I don't know why, but it came to me a lot. Um, So some of you listening might have had this question as well. And today, Pastor Matt is going to turn to God's word and bring us an answer. Hello, Pastor Matt. Hey, Noah. Good to see you. All right. So I think if we ask, should Christians be afraid of death? I think most people would say, well, no, obviously Christians shouldn't be afraid of death. And then we kind of begin to go through a bunch of theological truths that are absolutely true and we know them and that's a good thing. Um, But I think we need to recognize that it's easy to say one thing or sing one thing on a Sunday morning, um, but it's much easier to say or sing those or recite those in Awana uh, than it is to actually kind of live those things out when they're put to the test. Um, I mean, you just take that with any theological truth. We know that we're not supposed to be anxious about where our provision comes from. Um, We know that God provides for the birds of the air, the flowers of the field, and we know that he says his children are much more precious than those things. So we know we can read the text in the Sermon on the Mount that says you don't need to worry about what you eat, what you drink, or what you wear. Uh, Your heavenly Father is going to take care of all of those things. So you seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all of these other things will be added to you. And we know that, and it's tucked away in our head and in our heart, but then in that moment, um, when you get laid off from your job or in that moment when your car is totaled and it just wipes out your savings, that's when those theological truths get put to the test. And in that moment, it's very hard not to be kind of taken off guard. It's not to be caught up. It's hard not to be caught up with anxiety and those things, even though you know all the truth in the world. So uh, it doesn't mean that we don't believe it, but we recognize that there are times when the distance between what my head knows and what my heart believes, those seem to be a long way apart sometimes. So when it comes to the question of should Christians be afraid of death, it would be easy to say, no, of course not. Let's move on. But I don't think that really recognizes the real struggle uh, with this, the struggle that a lot of people have um, really at every stage of life, maybe more particularly during times of illness or, or pain. Um, so what I want to do first is think about why is it that we tend to be afraid of death? And because we're approaching this um, from the perspective of someone who's a believer, should Christians be afraid of death? We'll get to the theology in, in a minute, but let's let's kind of work through why is it that people are afraid? It's not because we don't have an understanding of what comes next, but I think a lot of the fear is wrapped up still in those things about death that we don't know. Uh, We don't know when it is going to happen. Uh, Death has a lot of unknowns, and the first part of that is kind of just a a when. We know that life is temporary. We know that given enough years, these bodies get old, they get weak, and they wear out. But we also know that in a moment of kind of an accident or a disaster or some catastrophic injury that life could end tomorrow. And so it's not like you can plan for a specific time frame when your death is probably going to fall. Just the timing in and of itself is really absolutely unknown to us. Um, The how is unknown. Sometimes it's a long fight with an illness that you got to kind of gird yourself up and fight through. Sometimes it's very, very quick. Um, so the, the how is unknown. The physical part of it is unknown. There's pain involved in a lot of these things. And uh, 
how it happens determines sometimes how much discomfort there is. And I think it's important to realize that we can have all the theological truth in the world, but when it comes to facing some of those very real unknowns, that can get very scary very quickly. Um, Because from the moment of death on, we might be very, very secure in our understanding, but leading up to it, there's a lot of I don't know. So the fear of death, particularly for the Christian, typically when I talk to people and counsel people, when, when you sit with people in a hospital, doesn't revolve around the moment after. It revolves around everything leading up to it. So how do we, how do we work through that? Because we can't take away those unknowns. We can't look in God's word and find the passage that says, Matt Round, this is when and where and how you're going to go, so be ready. Um, but what do we know? And that's really how you work through the fear of death. That's really how you work through the fear of a lot of things. Uh, it's what parts of this are known? Why is it that we don't have to be afraid? What theological truths do we know that speak to this? Now, that doesn't mean that those theological, theological truths clear up all the mystery surrounding the how and the when and the where and the why, um, but there are things that still apply to that. And I think one of the most comforting things is a very, very familiar passage from Psalm 139. Uh, Psalm 139 talks so much about what God knows when it comes to us. And in Psalm 139, starting verse six, uh, verse 13, uh, this is what the psalmist writes. David says, for you formed my inward parts. You knit me together in my mother's womb. I praise you for I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance. In your book were written, every one of them, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was not one of them. That psalm tells us a lot about the nature of God. But one of the things uh, that that particular part of the psalm makes clear is that our lives are never cut short, uh, that we don't live a moment, that we don't live a day longer or lesser than God not only intends, but that God knows about. So while I look at the future, particularly when it comes to the end of my life or you with your life or any one of us with our lives, what is unknown to us is absolutely known to God. And if that is true, then everything that God says about every one of my other days of my life from the first to the last is also true. If my death doesn't catch God off guard, whether that's a sudden, accidental, kind of catastrophic, unexpected death, or whether it's a years-long battle with an illness, that timing is absolutely known to him. And what has God said about my days from now until I see him? Well, he said that he's given us everything that we need for life and godliness. He said that he'll give us what we need for the day that he's entrusted us with, which means that if I battle with a particular illness for a number of years, then every day that that struggle goes on, God is faithful to give me everything I need to obey him, to live a life of obedience and worship in that moment. Does that take away physical pain? No, but it's a tremendous comfort to know that in the midst of physical pain and struggle, even if that's protracted over a number of years, that God is every bit as present and every bit as sovereign and every bit as um, empowering from the first moment to the last moment there. 
And that also means that if my death is tomorrow through some very, very unexpected circumstance, that I have that same capacity, that same empowering of the Holy Spirit to live in a manner worthy of my calling. Um, so it helps us not to be afraid because we never have to come to the point where we'll say, well, I'm going to be too weak to do what God wants me to do, too much in pain to do what God wants me to do. The reality is that for those who are believers, the fruit of the Spirit remains the same. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control, all of those things are what the Spirit produces in the life of a believer, even in the most difficult, the most painful circumstances possible. So again, does that take away the pain? Does that take away uh, the unknowns? It doesn't, but it is a very reassuring promise to know that in the midst of those things, we don't have to be afraid of them because we can still have every resource that we need to honor God and even to live in his perfect peace in the middle of those things. So those days that are full of unknown for us are actually still filled with God's provision and they're still filled with God's purpose. And then, of course, there is the reality that we don't need to be afraid because we do know a tremendous amount of what comes next. Uh, first of all, we know that we have to put off these temporary bodies. You read through 1 Corinthians 15, and so many times Paul talks about the perishable and the imperishable and the fact that these perishable temporary bodies cannot inherit what's eternal. These bodies, no matter how good a shape you're in, are not prepared for heaven. They're, they're simply not built for it. And so, so death isn't only a reality. Death is a promise in a sense, and that it prepares us to actually put off what is temporary and put on what is eternal and lasting. Um, and not just the physical provision of a new body that's fit for eternity, but Hebrews 9.27 says that it's appointed for a man to die once and then comes judgment. So after death, there's kind of an inescapable evaluation that comes to every man, every woman, every child, every one of us who has ever lived. And for the non-believer, that's a, that's a terrifying thing because death is an enemy. Death leads to finality. Death leads to judgment. There's no reprieve. There's no second chance. Death is just their entrance into an eternity, but it's an eternity of judgment and separation from God. But what do Christians know? What do we as believers know? We know that we face that same judgment. We know that we stand before that same holy God, but we also know that we don't plead our own case. We don't plead our own goodness, our own righteousness, our own faithfulness. We know that when we meet that same evaluation, we're covered with the blood of Christ. Uh, we're still fallen sinners, but we don't face separation and judgment. It's not because we're better. It's not because we manage to somehow work ourselves to meet God's minimum standard. And so we kind of sneak through the pearly gates there. Um, we know that when we stand before God, we are seen as being covered with the righteousness of Christ and that exchange where he took our sin and our weakness and our failure. And he bore the penalty for all of that. And he removed God's wrath from us and on us was placed his righteousness, his goodness, his perfection. He, he's that perfect sacrifice that covers and cleanses our sin once and for all. And, and Hebrews chapter two picks up on that. The author of Hebrews in chapter two, verse 14 says, since therefore the children share in flesh and blood, he himself, that's Christ, likewise partook of the same thing so that through death, he might destroy the one who has the power of death. That is the devil and deliver all those who through fear of death were subject to lifelong slavery. It, it pictures the world as being slaves, lifelong slaves to the fear of death that Satan has this power over the human race that involves fear because of what death brings. 
and Christ as he defeats the power of sin and the power of Satan, as he defeats death through his death, he frees us from that slavery. You and I don't have to be afraid because that enemy has been defeated. It says, for surely it is not angels that he helps, but he helps the offspring of Abraham. Therefore, he has to be made like his brothers in every respect so that he might become a merciful and faithful high priest in the service of God to make propitiation for the sins of the people. For because he himself has suffered when tempted, he is able to help those who are being tempted. So mankind lives in this grip of the fear of death. And you see that because we do whatever we can to prolong our lives. Mankind takes extreme measures to avoid death. But Jesus Christ has already defeated death. He lives, and so he says we will live. He overcame temptation. He defeated Satan. And so these enemies that we face, they've already been overcome. And then that passage is so helpful and so comforting because it talks about Christ as our merciful and faithful high priest. Uh, He's like us, but he's nothing like us. He's like us in the sense that Jesus Christ knows what it is to be tempted and tested. He knows what it's like to be in pain. He knows what it's like to face a death, a horrible death. So in our most fearful moments, even in the face of death itself, uh, we cry out to a God who knows. And there's so much comfort in that, that, that we, we talk to a God who is merciful and sympathetic, a, a God who knows what it is to be like us, only without sin. And so there's that that beautiful reality that Jesus Christ is one who has gone before in suffering and death, has this sustaining, encouraging ministry, even to those who face the same thing. And he's provided an example of how to suffer in obedience, which is a, a powerful thing that Peter picks up on when he writes to believers as well. But that's a, a different answer. <laughs> the idea that uh, even in death, even in suffering, even in injustice, we entrust ourselves to God who is always faithful. And so there's this idea that we don't need to be afraid because we know what comes after death. We don't need to be afraid because we know that our judgment has fallen on Christ. We don't need to be afraid because we know that death is simply an entrance into eternal life. And so it's actually a good thing. But more than that, we don't need to be afraid because we don't approach death alone. No matter what circumstance that is, whether it's the most isolated, the most uh, punishing death you could think of from a human perspective, No believer ever faces death alone because we have this graceful, this merciful, this faithful high priest in Christ. And I want to kind of close with an additional thought, and that's how do we prepare for death? Uh, That sounds a little dark, and it's not meant to be. One of the ways that we overcome fear of something is to prepare for it, is to think about it. If you're afraid of the math test, that fear gets overcome by preparing to do well. One of the ways to overcome the fear of death is not to dwell on death, but it is to think clearly and rightly about how we prepare for death. And of course, the first step in that is to be reconciled to God. If you do not know Jesus Christ, if you have not repented of your sin, if you have not placed your faith in Christ as the one who did what you could not do, um, then fear of death is appropriate. So, so the first way to prepare for death is to acknowledge that sin has an eternal consequence and that Christ has paid the penalty for that, uh, to be reconciled to God. But beyond that, how do we prepare 
for death. Uh, our culture kind of sanitizes death. Death happens and then the body is taken away and prepared and many funerals don't even interact with uh, the body anymore. There's just kind of the memorial service and that's not good, bad, or indifferent. It's just uh, in many cultures around the world and through much of human history, death was much more a part of the life and the culture and we're, we're separated from it. Death happens in the movies, death happens on the news, but we don't really grapple with it a lot in our day-to-day life. So so how do we actually prepare for death in a way that honors God? And I mean, right now, um, well, the first preparation, like I said, be reconciled to God, but there's more. Ecclesiastes chapter seven, verse two says, it's better to go into the house of mourning than to go to a house of feasting for this is the end of all mankind and the living will lay it to heart. Now that sounds depressing to say a funeral is better than a party, um, but that's what the author's saying. Uh, why is that? Well, it's because at a funeral, People are thinking about important things, about weighty things, about internal things. One of the ways that you and I prepare for death, one of the ways that we remove the fearful aspect of death is by fixing our perspective on what is eternal. Psalm 90, the oldest psalm in the Bible, it was written by Moses. And Psalm 90 starts this way. It says, Lord, you have been our dwelling place in all generations. Before the mountains were brought forth or before you formed the earth and the world, from everlasting to everlasting, you are God. You return man to dust and you say, return, O children of man, for a thousand years in your sight are as yesterday when it is past, like a single watch in the night. The idea of contrasting the temporary man with this eternal nature of God. Uh, Moving on to Psalm 90, verse 9, Moses says, for all our days pass away under your wrath. We bring our years to an end like a sigh. The years of our life are 70 or by reason of strength, 80, and their span is but toil and trouble. They are soon gone and we fly away. And then in verse 12, he writes this. So teach us to number our days so that we may get a heart of wisdom. One of the ways that we prepare for death is by understanding and thinking through the temporary nature of who we are. That's really hard when you're young. When you have more life in front of you than behind you, um, that, that old kind of trope that says teenagers think they're immortal. Well, the reality is when death is likely a long way off, It's easy not to think about it. It's very easy to be consumed by the things of this world, the things that are temporary, the things that are passing away, because that's what the world has. And that's what we are naturally drawn to. Wisdom understands that eternity is so much longer than this life. Uh, One of the ways to prepare for death even now is to try and maintain that eternal perspective, because once you understand that this life is temporary, then it starts to make sense to pour into those things that are not temporary. It starts to make sense to invest in things that last. Um, And that's what Jesus picks up on and works through in Matthew chapter six, that sermon on the Mount, Matthew chapter six, verse 19, Jesus says, do not lay up for yourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy, where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. One of the best ways to prepare for death is by investing in eternal things. If I have a particular amount of money and I invest it in a, a CD or a three-month or a six-month or a one-year term investment, I'm actually looking forward to the end of that term because I get to see the return on my investment. What if I spent my life 
investing in things that I knew would last for eternity. Then death is no longer this fearful thing. Death becomes the place where I begin to see the return on my investment. Life isn't something just to be kind of worked through and born up under as we wait for eternity. Life is a beautiful chance to invest in eternity. Uh, we talk about treasures in heaven, rewards and crowns, and we, we sing about them or we talk about them like they don't really matter. But the idea is that heaven is full of reward and blessing for God's people. And so as you and I think about this life, and as we think about it rightly, as we understand that it's temporary, as we understand that not only is it temporary, but we have the opportunity in this short temporary life to do things that matter for eternity, it changes our perspective on the day-to-day way that we live and the day-to-day way that we prioritize things. But it also doesn't make us long for death, but it makes us anxious to see the return on our investment. So those are a couple of thoughts about how the easy answer is, should Christians be afraid of death? No. But why? Because we know who death brings us into the presence of, and we know what the rest of eternity with him will look like. Thank you, Pastor Matt, for shedding a little bit of light on that. Um, and thank you for listening to today's episode. Next week, we're going to be tackling another kind of heavy topic. Uh, can a Christian who committed suicide still go to heaven? It's very deep, and we're going to tackle it next time. Thank you for listening. We'll see you then.